Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Welcome in. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKern and Action Jackson with you here on the program. Come on in. The water is warmed in 65780. It is the Air Comfort Service text line coming up at 1035. Joey Vitale will join us to talk blues, avalanche, Stanley Cup playoffs. And we got a lot going on. Jackson, I'm telling you, one hour isn't enough for us. But it's more than enough for the audience. Yeah, 100%. That's yeah. kind of the, the motto now of <laughs> Lil Piddles, <laughs> Mr. Hockey. Yep. Uh, the Blues and Avalanche, we now know, will start tomorrow with uh, the game at 8, 30, 45, yeah, 50. Either way, uh, pregame here on 101 ESPN. At 7.30, Blues and Avalanche, the number is out and has not changed since Friday, and that is the Avalanche are minus 380 to win this series. Minus 380 to win this series. So, if if you believe the Blues can win this thing, uh, bet $100 on the Blues and you get 290 because the Blues are plus 290. Yeah. Now, if you think for certain, that the Colorado Avalanche are going to win this series, well, you will have to wager $380 to win 100 That's how big of a favorite they are. Comparatively speaking, just to give you an idea of the other series, and now we know the final eight in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Battle of Florida, the Panthers are minus 150 to win that. If you like the Ning to keep it going, plus 130. Um... The Rangers and the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are minus 190. Mm. I got to tell you, I gave you the Lightning coming back to win that series, Jackson, yeah. at plus 270. Do you remember that play last week? I do, yeah. Okay. I kind of like taking both the Lightning and the Rangers. Coming off hot. I was telling you, I kind of like the Lightning and the Rangers. Do with it what you want. Do with it what you want. Uh, and then the Battle of Alberta. The Flames are a big favorite, minus 190. So, as big of a favorite as the Hurricanes are and as big of a favorite as the Flames are, they're both 190 to win their series, minus 190 to win the series. The Avalanche are twice that against the Blues. Mm. Now, yeah. I want to make this clear. not saying that I expect the Blues to win. I'm just telling you that from a value standpoint, I like the Blues at plus 290. Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. Another name for the show should be Identifying Value. That's what it should be. Yeah, Identifying Value. Thank you. It's another name. Welcome to Lil Piddles Identifies Value for an hour <laughs> in the middays on 101 ESPN. So it will get underway tomorrow in Denver and then a Saturday night 7 o'clock game in St. Louis for Game 3. Mm -hmm. How do you do? Oh. On a beautiful Saturday in mid-late May in St. Louis, Game three against Stan Kroenke's Avalanche. I'll take 1-1. One, one. Now, do I want it to be 2-0 Blues? Yes. But just get one in Denver, oh, yeah. and let's have a let's have ourselves a game three on a Saturday night. That we'll building is going to be going bat crap. Yeah, raucous. Very raucous. Ooh. Yeah. It is odd that the, the weekend game is the early game, and the weekday games, late night, yeah. late night entries. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're having to negotiate the Mavericks and the building split. Or no, we're not now, now that the Flames won. Right. I was trying to figure out why these games were where they were and when they were, but I guess it's right. just automatically if you're in this spot, you're going to be on the, the, yeah. the late night time slot. With Boston out too. They don't have to worry about that. Bruins. Yeah. Like, something is something flickering above yeah, my head. No, I, noticed well, you, I noticed you were describing. Well, I didn't just making sure the power wasn't out. Oh, wow. How about this? You heard it here first. The Blues will sweep Colorado. Okay. Ooh. That is from the 217. Is that Quincy way? Is that Springfield way? 217? I'll yeah. find out for you, Tim. Uh, I'm virtually certain it's Quincy or Springfield in that in that realm. Uh, you can get paid handsomely if you think the Blues are going to sweep the Avalanche, by the way. Uh, if, if you're really feeling, feeling very confident about it, for the record, that number is plus 3,000. So uh, 217. If you want to throw ten bucks on it, you're going to make three hundred on that. If the Blues indeed sweep Colorado, for the record, uh, let's see, guys. Can we get Jackson's Avalanche uniforms report? His only hockey contribution in the last five and a half months. I do feel like you cover hockey uniforms really well. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. That might have been like a shot, but I actually take that as a huge compliment because I am. I do like to consider myself a uniform expert. Okay. And the well, Avalanche like have to the analyze? worst uniforms in all of sports. Dead last. There's a team, Tim, that has the best uniforms in all sports, and they play hockey. And then the uh, they also have the wow. team that has Are the Are you worst. about to compliment the St. Louis Blues sweater? Uh, I like the blue sweater a lot, but it's not the best. The Maple Leafs have the best sweater in all of hockey. Mm. That is, and it's probably the best uniform in all sports. That is so sweet. I think the sweater, the, uh, the hockey sweater, is the best vessel of a uniform. Like that's the coolest. So I didn't. I thought I heard you say the best vessel of a uniform. Yeah, like threw the be- me off guard. Like if we're talking like basketball jersey, baseball uniform, football jersey, hockey sweater, the sweater is the best actual like uniform vessel. That's the vessel. I'm, I'm rocking with. We're going with vessel. Your thoughts on vessels? Uh, Tim Springfield is the four one seven. That actually was intended to be a correction, but yet it's true. It's just two one seven is also Springfield. Yeah. Fun facts for no one tell. Yeah, Decatur. Of course, Jackson likes the Leafs. It's from the 636. Tim, in my mind, this comes down to Jordan Bennington. If it's vintage Benner, we can win. I absolutely think the Blues can win, like in a major way. I think the Blues can win. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I keep trying to take myself, it's so weird for me because with my odd memory, I can remember, I feel like every playoff series going back to like the mid 80s. In last year's Blues Avalanche, even though it was a year ago, it's just so unmemorable. Um, and I don't know what it was about the situation. Maybe we just weren't as locked in on sports as we are now. And mm. I don't know. I mean, you were producing for us at that time. Yes, this time last year, yeah. I just feel like it wasn't something. And in the series, was just kind of a nothing. Perron didn't play. Kadri laid out. Falk, that kind of became the focus. But the games weren't close, and it was over so quick. And listen, I recognize the Avalanche are this uh, you know heavy Stanley Cup favorite. I get it, but I just view this totally different this year. And maybe in eight days we'll be on the air talking about a sweep again. I truly have a tough time believing that. I really do. I'm not just saying that. Hell, I was on the air last week saying I think the Wild are going to win the series. So right. I'll tell you whatever I think, and you know I'll be wrong you know, plenty of times. But uh, I really think that this is a different operation. And I also think that the Avalanche understand that this is a different operation than mm-hmm. what they were dealing with last year for the record by the way talking about odds on the stanley cup playoffs 
Uh, if you do like the Blues' chances to win the Stanley Cup, they are the longest shot of the eight remaining teams. Mm. Plus 1,500 to win the Chalice. Okay. The next in line, the Rangers and Oilers, plus 1,000. Now, some of you might take offense to that and say, well, the Blues are better than XYZ team. And I would tell you my thought process on why that is the way it is is because whoever is playing the avalanche right. is going to be the long shot. That's yeah. what I think the reason is. And I recognize the Panthers won the President's Trophy and so on and so forth. But I think that that is the reasoning. And if you, you know, hey, good, better. If you like the Blues' chances, good. You're getting you're getting paid off more on it uh, at plus 1,500. For the record, the avalanche are plus 180 to win the cup. Down. I mean, oh you're, not, you're not even getting two to one. Yeah, plus one A to win the cup. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay. To win the West, the Avalanche are minus one fifty. Oh man. So to win two series, they are minus one fifty. Uh, the Flames plus two eighty. Oilers plus five hundred. The Blues are plus seven hundred. Those are the numbers in the East. The Panthers plus one forty. Hurricanes plus two ten. Lightning plus three hundred. Rangers plus four fifty. So that is the rundown of the math. On the Stanley Cup playoffs, Blues and Avalanche tomorrow night. We'll be talking it over with Joey Vitale in about 25 minutes here on Lil Piddle's uniform liking vessels. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my that's my bailiwick. I don't know how much uh, Randy and Michelle talked about it, but the article in the Post Dispatch on the Stan Kroenke thing. No, it just there's some there's there, there's a news cycle game, and uh-huh. I would imagine a lot of people are well aware of this. You you release good news or news that has legs, so to speak, on a Sunday or a Monday. Mm -hmm. And if you want to bury something, you do it like Friday at 5 or 5.30. Yeah. And I'm not saying Post-Dispatch had no interest in burying anything, that's for sure. I mean, they did incredible journalistic work here to get this story. A number of people covered it. Uh, And you can read the story at stltoday.com. It just is an unfortunate coincidence that it was released, I think, around 2 in the afternoon on Friday. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, it kind of loses steam over a couple of days. But that doesn't change the fact that it's incredibly intriguing. And I would imagine a lot of people aren't familiar with the story. We will have the story. There was a franchise that the NFL talked about moving to St. Louis. That... In addition to uh, Eric Grubman's emails, uh, Stan Kroenke's emails, Roger Goodell's comments, uh, you'll be surprised to hear this, but they actually weren't honest. No. And yep. And now we uh, actually have the documentation as the Post-Dispatch did the legwork to get it. We'll have that for you coming up. In addition to Joey Vitale coming up at 1035 with our Engineer Design Facilities Playoff Report here on Balloon Party. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan and I am with you until 11 o'clock. Joey Vitale will join us coming up at 1035 talking blues and avalanche and Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's talk Stanley Steamer, though. Uh, This article in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, tip of the cap to the Post-Dispatch for the caliber of reporting on the story. And you can read it at stltoday.com. This story came out on Friday afternoon, and it details a number of things that went on with the Rams and the coordinated covert operation to get the Rams out of St. Louis. Now, a lot of these things, I think, people thought 
were going on, but didn't know until these emails were revealed on Friday in the Post-Dispatch investigation. Uh, I think the thing that, well, what, do you, what do you consider the headline out of the whole thing? The team. The team possibly moving, and then Grubman. I mean, the just, team as in the other team, right? Not exactly. The Rams. Okay, yeah. and then Grubman, but that was just less surprising given his history. So, in November of 2014, the NFL discussed moving the Raiders to St. Louis with a new ownership group and a new team logo and yeah, mission, yeah. and totally redesigning it. That is something that I was told about in December of 14 slash January of 15. And I did an appearance on Fred Rogan's show in Los Angeles. I, I believe he's the NBC's affiliate sports director in L.A. And he also does a radio show. And, uh, and I recall going on a show, and he was adamant that the Rams were coming to Los Angeles and, you know, had the narrative going that St. Louis is going to lose their second NFL franchise. St. Louis get St. Louis. And I said, well, you know, there's a chance that another team moves here. And he goes, what team would move to St. Louis? I said, well, there's talk of the Raiders. The Raiders moving to St. Louis? What in the world? Well, now we know. You know, I wasn't making it up. I'm not right. going to make something up. I have zero, zero to gain. But if I have a reliable source tell me that that is live, uh, there you go. So that was something that was discussed. But this is this is my core issue on this whole thing and has been. And now, what has changed for those of you tuning in going, well, why is this news? Well, now the emails are out there. And these emails show that Kevin Demoff, and really the league, but Kevin Demoff specifically coordinated a plan to form the narrative that St. Louis was a dying city and they actually conducted a study. They hired a third party to conduct a study to show the league and the other 31 owners that St. Louis was a dying city and it would be unwise for the NFL to continue to stay in St. Louis. So that was their way to show that they could and should leave St. Louis. So... My position on this whole thing, which goes back when it started, from my standpoint, it was it became clear that it was live, and by live I mean in play, in January of 2012 at Stan Kroenke's last public appearance in St. Louis, and I think it's safe to say ever, uh, but at the time it was uh, for Jeff Fisher's press conference when he was hired. And he said, I put a lot of jack into this town. <laughs> And uh, we got uh, we we came on the air the next day on TMA, and I said to Doug Vaughn, I said, "What was your biggest takeaway from the Jeff Fisher press conference?" He said, "Oh, the Rams are moving." I said, "Yeah, that was mine too." So more than a decade now, we have been observing this whole thing from a business standpoint. I get it. I get Stan Kroenke's side. I'm not saying that I would do it, but I get it. I get it. I get the accumulation of wealth. I get compounding interests and moving over to Los Angeles and doubling, if not more, the value of your franchise, the real estate development, bringing a franchise back to where it had been for decades. I understand all of those things. I do. I know that's not popular to say in St. Louis, but I completely understand it. The thing that infuriated me then and infuriates me now is the narrative surrounding St. Louis nationally and realistically, if we are to be honest here, 
Uh, St. Louis is not a tourist destination. How many people around the country actually have spent time in St. Louis or know much about St. Louis outside of the Arch uh, or baseball or mm-hmm. Stanley Cup winner in 2019? Just like I would ask people listening right now, have you been to Cincinnati? Have you been to Detroit? Have you been to Cleveland? Have you been to whatever other city that would kind of be in the same tier of St. Right. Louis? And the answer is probably no. So everything is hearsay. Well, now the hearsay regarding St. Louis is a dying city that doesn't support a football team. And in reality, the owner of the team that moved away in the 1980s wanted to stay here. Right. But it was St. Louis that screwed that up. The NFL actually wanted to put an expansion team here in the 1990s, wound up going to Carolina and then to Jacksonville because St. Louis screwed it up. And then with this one, it just so happened that one of the only owners who A, could, and B, had the ability financially to move and privately finance a building in Los Angeles was the owner of the St. Louis Rams. Had he owned another franchise that had the ability to leave, as the Rams did after the lease expired, and Jim Shrewsbury, as detailed in this article, the president of the Board of Aldermen, informed, uh, informed uh, he was the head of the Regional Convention and Sports Complex Authority at one time, he was the president of the Board of Aldermen, uh, said, we simply don't have the money to do it. They were out. That was it. They were out. But if Kroenke would have owned the Chargers and had the ability to leave... They would have made sure that the Chargers got to Los Angeles. Point being, St. Louis was a victim of circumstances on this one. St. Louis did it to itself Mm -hmm. in the 1980s with the Cardinals. Might be an unpopular view. That's how I view it. St. Louis did it to itself with an expansion team in the 1990s. Might be an unpopular view. It's my view. On this one, St. Louis was a victim of circumstances. The problem is, nationally now, the narrative is St. Louis doesn't support football teams. And because it was put out there by Kevin Demoff, Stan Kroenke, and the league, which is incredibly powerful, that St. Louis is a dying city that doesn't have the wherewithal to support an NFL team. Now St. Louis and St. Louis sports fans have the narrative attached to it that it does not support an NFL team, which, as we know, is complete BS. And that is what I have a problem with in addition to all of that in this story which once again is recommended reading uh the emails show kevin demoff talking about getting a call from stan Kroenke at 7 15 st louis time which means he was driving around inglewood at 5 15 uh and looking at the site in hollywood park and that got things going but it wasn't long before the prospect of a Rams move to Los Angeles began circulating among team owners. By October, a couple of them decided it was a good time to sit down. October of 2013. Mm. And on October 11th, 2013, Kroenke got on a call with Goodell and the owners of the Steelers in Houston, Texas, and laid out the plan. Okay? 2013. October 2013. I believe... Randy Carricker, and I think DeMarco Farr, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. had Kevin Demoff in the studios. And one of the questions was about buying this land at Hollywood Park. And the league actually concocted the statement that they would use, that Demoff would use, talking to Randy Carricker and DeMarco Farr, uh, that will stand by his land all over the world. So that, that's not to say that every place he's building a stadium. So that was the league coming up with that narrative, that mm-hmm. that's what was going to go on. In this case, just so happened that Walmart owned some of the land at Hollywood Park. So Kroenke had it in right there. And then, says U.S. Rep. Mac- Maxine Waters is a very good friend, and the mayor of Inglewood's a hell of a guy. He has already jumped on our train. 
then Bob McNair, who's passed away, but he was the owner of the Texans, asked Kroenke if he could make St. Louis work. Kroenke expressed doubts. The city had a lot of big companies when the team moved to St. Louis in 95, he said, but the base wasn't there anymore and sponsorship was down. I'm not sure a new stadium does it for you, he said. And then Goodell said he'd met with Jay Nixon and expressed concern that he might not take leaving lying down. Nixon had threatened to sue the league as state attorney general in the 1990s. But Kroenke didn't seem concerned. Quote, he's not a bad guy. He wants to be a senator, and we can be helpful to him. How about that? Oh, man. How about that? So, the league gets together. Goodell knows that a reporter is on top of this Los Angeles story, and they debate whether or not to tell Kroenke that the reporter from L.A. Times is calling about the land purchase. And then Grubman gets together with him and says, well, should we let him know? And he says in an email to Goodell, if we do, it is harder to play dunce. In other words, it'll be hard to act like we didn't know it was going right, on. Right. This is, uh, this is Eric Grubman in an email in January of 2014. For the record, Eric Grubman stood up in front of fans in St. Louis, fans in Oakland, and fans in San Diego and said, we are committed to trying to keep your team in these cities in October of 2015. But in an email on January 28th, 2014, Eric Grubman says, if we do, it is harder to play dunce. If we don't, we will not have his side. And so the league concocted the statement that Stan invests in real estate all over the world, and he's not trying to build a stadium all over the world. So that is the way that it all played out. If you are looking for a team to become a fan of, I would like to recommend the Cincinnati Bengals. And you might go, why, you big Joe Burrow guy? No, actually, it turns out that their owner, Mike Brown, was the one guy who throughout the whole process, not only did he not vote for the move, but he said uh, there is nothing wrong with the markets where these teams play now at a meeting in 2015. And he was against the move. Mm-hmm. And that is Mike Brown, and he voted against the move at the infamous meeting in January of 2016. Quite honestly, when I read this article, it made me more irritated that we have the quote from Bob Blitz saying, we slayed the dragon. I just don't get that. I'm not saying that settling was the wrong move. I'm also not saying it was the right move. I am saying spiking the football in something that from a public standpoint was not necessarily really well received by a number of people uh, was rather tone deaf. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Jackson, uh, what uh, what is your reaction to this dialogue that we detailed here? Well, yeah, first of, first and foremost, let's go Bengals because that is that that kind of got me. You like enough. that? Yeah, big time. Um, it's just it makes the fact that they lost to the Rams suck even more. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, the deceit is just so disheartening. That, you know, all this happened when I was in high school. All this stuff that all those years that you mentioned were years I was in high school and at the time just the biggest Rams fan in the world. Totally naive in a sense because you kind of trick yourself that sports, you know, teams like really care about you and they care about the fans and they care about each individual who's supporting them. But at the end of the day, it's a business and, you know, that business can be good for you or it can rip your heart out. And in our case, it ripped my heart out. And as the years go by, I wish I could say that, like, I feel better about everything because having some distance away from it, but still stings just as much. And when you read stuff like this about the, the deceitfulness of the whole thing and the kind of backroom way it went down, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't disagree. Or I don't, you know, think Stan is in the wrong for doing it. It's just the way that they went about it was so bad. 
And uh, the way it's perceived nationally is just that St. Louis lost a couple teams. They're not really a great sports town. It's a baseball town. And it just, I just don't think that's, that's so inaccurate. I think this is a great sports town that, uh, especially in the most recent moving, was a victim of a really bad circumstance. In one of the beatings, Jackson, uh, Arizona Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell, son of Bill Bidwell, mm-hmm. the team, uh, in the late 80s, uh, wondered how the owners could live with ditching St. Louis if it was a viable option. Quote, it sends a message to our fans that we are all about the Benjamins, he said, according to notes on the meeting shared between Indianapolis Colts owners. A few were opposed to the relocation altogether. Quote, I think all these teams are successful being where they are. Mike Brown, the Bengals owner, according to the notes, said, shouldn't we be supportive of the markets that have supported us for all these years? Isn't that a statement that just resonates? Right. It's it's so money. That's that's something that that brings so many people together right, right there. Right. Now, here's the deal. Oakland was not providing a solution. Uh-huh. San Diego was not providing a solution. Now, San Diego, I went out there and interviewed the mayor of San Diego at the time, Kevin Faulkner, and he said, they want to build downtown because we say we want to build out where Qualcomm, Jack Murphy, is. But he goes, if we said we want to build downtown, they'd say, oh, we want to build out where Jack Murphy is. Point being, he said they just didn't want to get a deal done. Now, that I don't know if that is necessarily the case. I know in San Diego, Dean Spanos is viewed in a similar way that Stan Kroenke is viewed here. But with regards to an organization wanting to take care of its respective cities and not have play, teams bouncing from place to place, you would think that that would indicate stability. The issue is they could never get private financing in Los Angeles until Kroenke came around. And so once it was clear that he had it and he was willing to do it, they were going to do whatever they could to push the ball across the goal line. And that's what happened. Again, hate to say it. I understand that. Right. I understand him wanting to be there, and I understand him being the guy who can do it, whereas only a handful of the 32 owners could do it. The issue I have is that St. Louis was portrayed as being a terrible sports t- city slash dying city slash bad football fans in the process in order to justify the move. That's the thing that tilts me. Major recommended reading at St. Louis Post-Dispatch, STL Today. Dot com on this story. There is more in there than what we were able to get to. Joey Vitale is going to join us on the Blues and the Avalanche, and that is coming up in a matter of moments here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for a Blues Playoff Report. Brought to you by Engineered Design Facilities, the number one commercial fire alarm service provider in St. Louis. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you to the top of the hour when BK and Ferrario take over. It is our pleasure to welcome for our Engineered Designed Facilities Blues Playoff Report. On the Blues broadcast tomorrow night here on 101 ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Vitale. Good morning, Joey. Timmy, what's up? Hey, you know, last week I said, hey, don't be a stranger. We don't need to be doing this every three years. But I didn't think you'd do it back-to-back weeks. Like, you really missed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Jackson really likes the analogies. Yeah. You, you made a gladiator reference. Huge fan. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like uh, – it's like when you run into someone you haven't seen in a while, and you're like, "Hey, man, we should we should get together, like you know, this summer." And the guy calls you like two days later, you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, <laughs> the break!" 
like yeah then, then you kind of right. get a weird vibe about the whole thing well i mean that's kind of the vibe i give off it's creepy let's be honest about everything everything that's going on here it is uh great to have you on five six days after we talked for the first time in three years and then maybe we'll call you again tomorrow you never know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it i'm fine with it whatever whatever, whatever gets me out of the house for 15 minutes uh, I was talking about the odds on this thing. You know, the uh, the Hurricanes are big favorites. The Flames are big favorites. They're both minus 190 to win their respective series. The Avalanche are twice the size of that, minus 380. Uh, do you think that is a reflection more of the Avalanche and the perception of their strength or that Las Vegas doubts the Blues? I think it's a, I think it's a good combination. I, I would say, if anything... Um, I think that people really underestimate this Blues team. I, I don't know why, but, you know, a lot of the experts, it was amazing that first series, the way they had Minnesota taking that series. I, I, I would sit there with Chris Kerber, and we would kind of, like, scratch our heads, like, yeah, I get the numbers maybe a little bit, but I hated Minnesota's goaltending. We, we had Talbot's number. Flurry has not looked good against us. Uh, special teams are important in playoffs, obviously. The special teams are better for St. Louis. And not to mention just the experience of all the, all the Stanley Cup champions they had on that team. I, I don't know why uh, St. Louis wasn't more of a, a favored uh, team in that first round. And I think it's kind of the same same respect here now in the second round. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think that St. Louis is, is now the favorite. And I, I still believe they are, in fact, the underdog here. But I just don't know if it's by that much. And, and for that reason, again, it goes back to special teams have been good for St. Louis. They have Jordan Bennington playing some elite hockey right now. He's been playing very uh, very confidently. And then not to mention, you know, the coaching staff, I think, I think Craig Berube, some of the adjustments he made in that first round, um, not only switching the goaltender, but, but going with 11 forwards and kind of really um, having Dean Evanson, the head coach from Minnesota, scratch his head as far as him trying to match the lines, but he really couldn't because he was putting Vladimir Tarasenko out there with the fourth line. and So just little things like that, I think from a coaching stand standpoint, yeah. uh, the experience standpoint, I just think that so many things are going in, in the positive direction for St. Louis, uh, and they're going to need to continue to go that way because no, no doubt about it, they are the underdog here. This is maybe one of the most uh, prolific uh, teams in the National Hockey League right now. But the good news, Tim, and I say this uh, wholeheartedly, if the Blues can win this series, I mean, I'll see in the Stanley Cup final. No doubt. I mean, I, wow, I, wow, I, don't wow. like the way, yeah, I don't like the way Calgary's built necessarily. I hate the way Edmonton's built. And I think if they can get through Colorado, to me, I think the easiest of all the rounds will be the next round in the conference final. How about that? I, you know, I'm curious on this one. We were talking a little bit about it uh, earlier in the show, Joey. Last year's playoff series, it just was like a blip. It, it, it barely existed. Perron wasn't healthy. Falk got hit by Kadri, and it was just like it was over, and it was over without much of a sweat. Those are two obvious reasons. You don't have David Perron. Falk's hurt. It's a mess. Why else would this be a different Blues team against the Avalanche in 2022 versus what we saw like oh, 13 months ago? Well, I think the biggest thing is a couple of the bigger pieces are healthy. You know, and, and then you mentioned David Perron. Obviously, he's, he's back. This is not the health one I'm talking about. But David Perron, of course, uh, being there. Justin Falk w- w- is healthy this year. Uh, keep in mind, Colton Pareko, he was hurt a lot last year. Yeah. He, had a, he had a back injury. I mean, that's one of the horses. I mean, right now, guys, you're looking at the two horses on the back end, Justin Falk and Colton Pareko. Uh, both those guys were out, were out, out of the uh, basically that series last year. Even though Colton played through it, he was still hurt. Another big-time player that battled through injuries all season long and just was not – um, completely healthy. Robert Thomas, another one. I mean, he he dealt with an upper body shoulder shoulder issue all season long. Um, he was in and out quite a bit there towards the end, but he wasn't healthy. It just I think be, between the the COVID and David Prawn missing and then a couple of the 
the knickknack injuries there. Um, you know, I think I just think it was a hard year. Just kind of seeing that that's that's the way it was. And I think when you have some missing pieces, some bigger pieces like they did, you just you lose that connection. And th- and this is what makes this team, you know, so very special. I think you know they have this amazing like team chemistry and connection. It's it's hard to really put your finger on uh, but they don't they lack they lack superstars we all know that they, they don't have a mckinnon they don't have an awesome matthews i mean you look at every team you know look panarin i mean they, these guys have lights out superstars right now i mean vladimir tarasenko is probably the closest thing to that for the st louis team but they're just loaded up with really good players and, and, and everyone knows that and, and in order for them to really compete is they need to lean into each other and the relationships uh, with this group is so incredibly strong but, but they're connected. Last year, because of those reasons, I, I, I saw a big disconnection between the offense and the, and the defense. But this year, um, there is a, um, a, just a symbiotic connection between the goaltending that goes to the sixth defenseman that leads up all to 12 or 11 fours, depending on what they go to. And, and, I, and I say that because the fours have to work with the D, the D are working with the goalie. And I've never seen it as connected as it's been probably in the last – three games with Jordan Bennington back in the cage. You're just hoping that this time off um, doesn't do it. You know, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you guys have ever been in the ocean, there's like these sharks, um, there's like these trigger, these trigger sharks and hammerhead sharks. And you, 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 ever, you ever see like those fish? They're called remora fish. They like, they hang up on the back and they kind of just follow the sharks around. Oh they, yeah, I do know. I yeah. actually know what you're talking about here. So there you go. So that, that's, a, that's the example of a perfect symbiotic relationship. So what those are, those are remora fish, and they basically feed off the parasites and the bacteria that live on the shark's back. So that's how they eat and survive. Now it works well for the shark because the shark needs those parasites and bacteria off its back so they can live a long life. You see how you see how I'm going here? Wow. So it helps, the, oh, it helps the remora fish. Yeah, yeah. It helps the remora fish, and it helps the great white shark. Um, you know, the only thing that doesn't help is the human if, if you get eaten by one of those sharks. Right. But, yeah, That's it's a bad really, beat. really cool, really cool to see. And, and right now I'm watching this blues team from up top. And it just reminds me of, like, I'm on a boat and I'm looking down and I see this big shark and I see these little these little trigger fish. Nip, 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 nip. They're kind of nipping on its back. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> you, speak, you speak in poetry. You speak in prose. Ha! <laughs> Yeah, CBC. CBC for you. Fire up, CB. Fire up. Fire up, CB. Thanks for the education. Uh, you were talking about uh, what's going on, the way Bennington's been playing. Let's take a look at the goalie matchup here. What do you think uh, we've got here with the Blues and the Avalanche? Well, yeah, I think the one thing, obviously, is how healthy is Darcy Kemper. You know, starting in Colorado, he did take that stick to the eye from Ryan Johansson in that first series. I believe it was game three. He did not play game four. I heard he was questionable. I think he's been skating. He, he should probably be just fine, but you don't know if there's any um, long-lasting, lingering uh, effects from that. Uh, Darcy Kemper's a big goalie. Listen, he's, he's big. He's athletic. Uh, I still think he's one of the best. I think this is probably one of the Joe Sackett's best moves in the offseason last year, getting, getting him because um, goaltending with Grubauer was an issue over the last couple seasons, no doubt, and that's why Colorado, to me, uh, one of the biggest reasons why they weren't making that, that, that push to at least the final. They kept getting knocked in the first, second, or third round. So they kind of solved those problems. Big goaltender, athletic, gets down and up very quickly, side to side. Uh, to me, he's one of the best. I think he's a top-five goaltender in the league, no doubt. Uh, the good news now for St. Louis, though, is they have probably the most confident kid in yeah. that, in Jordan Bennington. I think that his entire career, he has uh, played his best with a chip on his shoulder. Um, you look at it, uh, the six, seven years he spent in the minors, uh, so many players, so many coaches and scouts overlooking him, finally gets a crack at it, wins a cup. You know, he had a great year to follow up there. Then COVID hit. It's been a little bit up and down for Jordan. And, and there's no one that I believe Billy Huso deserved that starting game one more than Jordan. I mean, Billy earned that right. And, you know, Billy played a 
good for a couple of games in there, but I think Craig Brewer makes that switch, and Jordan's there sitting for the first three games, watching Billy, uh, watching the team win, watching the team lose. Um, I don't care. I don't care what you say. Um, it's hard for these goaltenders. It's hard for any player to watch their team lose, and you can't be a part of it. It's even harder to watch your team win. I mean, that, that I know it sounds terrible, but th- these are competitors. I mean, Jordan's a competitor. He wants to be, he wants to be the guy. He wants to be the star, and, and that's what you want. You want a competitor like that. So I think that now that he's sat, he's dwelled on it, he's, he's experienced those first three games, he gets his opportunity, and he's made the most of it. And like I said, for whatever reason right now, this team is playing so well in front of him. Um, so it, it's going to be obviously the deciding factor of, of this series, like most series. Uh, the Blues can get after Darcy Kemper like they have it in spurts in, in his career. Uh, they, they, they can expose him and get off to some early leads in this series. I think that that's where they really can make the difference because right now, with how, with how connected this team is and how well they're playing defensively, they're playing very well with the lead. There wasn't a lot of lead changes in that first round. And when they can get up on a couple goals, hopefully if you can expose Darcy early in a game, get up by one, get up by two, and then you can protect, protect, protect. Um, but if you can do that, you're going to give yourself a chance. The other, the other big thing that the Blues have to clean up to give themselves, Tim, the best opportunity in this series is, is stay out of the penalty box. Yeah. I mean, kind of uncharacteristically, they, they actually spent a lot of time in the box. You know, leading up into the playoffs, they were like one penalty a game, two maybe. Some, some games down the stretch, they had no penalties. I mean, that's, that's that kind of hockey they need to get back to. But that Minnesota series, you know, whether you like the calls or you don't, I mean, six trips to the box one game and then two games and then five, another game. I mean, that's – that's just a recipe for disaster against um, some of the best hockey players in the world and maybe the best power play I've seen in a very long time. Hey, final question for you, and you can you can speak to this uh, to an extent, and then certainly we saw the way it played out in the Wild Series. We heard about, you know, the Blues, and you just made reference to it earlier, Joey. The Blues have the guys who have been there, and you and Kerber talking about before the series, like how is that being ignored? There's real value in it. And then we saw the way the Blues handled adversity after Game 3 and the injury to Krug and the way the Wild handled adversity after they missed the opportunity in Game 4. Uh, it mattered. The, the Avalanche don't have it yet. Uh, if anything, they, th- they came up short last year of what they thought they were going to have. And then secondarily, there is some pressure, I would imagine, in, in some capacity for Colorado. I think maybe the Leafs felt that and blew their 3-2 lead. The Penguins had a 3-1 lead, had two goal leads in games five and six and a goal lead last night and couldn't close it out. There's something to be said for the experience in the Blues' favor and then dealing with pressure. Your thoughts on those two factors in this series? Yeah, they're huge points. Um, experience does matter because when, when you're experienced, you have memories of really good times in playoffs, and then you have memories of really bad times in playoffs. And, and the reality is, however good it's going to be, um, it could get just as worse. And however bad it can be, you know it could get good again, right? It's a hedonic treadmill of life. You know, the, the highs don't stay high forever. The lows don't stay low forever. And the only way for people and players to really understand that is just by going through that. This Blues team, back in 19, they went to Dallas being down 3-2. to two. Yep. I mean, you want yep. to talk about being at your worst. Uh, they were probably at their worst. But what happened? They win that game. And they come home, and they win it in overtime with Pat Maroon goal. So that's, that's the experience where whatever happens in this series, they may be down. They, they, may, they may leave Colorado down 0-2. Uh, they, they, but they've been there before, too. And they know that, guys, this is a series. And we have plenty of players on this team that have been uh, in a bad spot in playoffs, and we've seen it turn good. And then on the flip side, we've seen, we've seen it where things are going really well, and then it, it could slide in a, in a hurry as well. I mean, look at that first game in Minnesota. I thought that everyone thought the Blues were going to sweep. They're, they all thought, Bill, 4 nothing. Billy Huso, he's just standing tall. This is going to be a clean sweep. We're going to move on to the second round. Well, then Minnesota wins the next two. So that's where experience matters, right? It's, it's going down an old country road, guys. 
you know, the old country road in the dark in the morning, wee hours as you're going turkey hunting with your dad. And, and the first time you go down that country road, boom, to the right, boom, to the left. And you got to watch out and you got to take your time. You know, there's potholes everywhere. You're busting all over the place, coffee spilling everywhere, right? But then the next day you go out on the turkey hunt. And then you remember, like, you start seeing these different signs. Oh, there's that sycamore tree. I got to veer a little bit to the left. That's where it was all holding water on the side of the road here, right? And then by day three and four and five, on that same country road, before you know it, your dad's kind of slowly weaving in and out and around with the, the bumps, and it's a lot smoother ride. Every time you go down that country road from there on out, it's going to be a little bit smoother and a little bit smoother because you've got the more experience. You've got the, the recent memory about where those holes are. Where is it holding water? Where's the trees? Where's the sticks? Where, where, where does it get hilly or not hilly, right? So that's where... You know, you can compare that to hockey player where every time you go through it, you just get that much more experience in it where whatever happens, good or bad, it's a series. And you can manage your emotions um, properly just to get ready for the next shift, for the next game, and ultimately hopefully the next series. Man, I like it. Man, I like a good analogy. Strong. Now we're going turkey hunting in so the morning. Strong. Now we're going turkey hunting. And you made it relatable. That's what you did, Joey. You made it relatable. God yeah, bless my, you. Yeah, my dad, he always would say, you know, when, you, when I were turkey hunting, He's like, Joe, don't ever, don't ever shoot the first t- turkey. Those are all the jakes. They're all the, the horned up. Those are all the horny ones. Like, those are the one-year-olds. You know what I mean? He always got away for the big boys. And that's what he says. It's a lot the same way in life. Don't, don't ever marry the first woman you meet. Or don't ever, don't ever pick out the first car. You, then, then you're a horny Jake. So don't be a horny Jake. you got to be a mature Tom. My dad, he's like, he, my dad goes full Hoosier when he hunts. Like, he, he's, a, he's a St. Louis guy. Like, he says mature all the time. But then when, right, when we're out in the thicket, he's like, all right, Joe, now down here by the thicket. That's where we're going to find the mature, the mature turkey. I'm like, man, it's woods and it's mature. Like, what, why are you talking like a red? He goes into character. He becomes Daniel yeah, Day Lewis exactly. on the hunt. Oh, exactly. man. All right, we're going to call you again. This has been too good. Beware. You might be on again. Beware. All right, boys. You guys have a great week and uh, some exciting hockey coming up. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Joey. Thank Thanks, you. Joey. There he is, Joey Vitale here. He is uh, absolutely outstanding. That's I mean, that's a, that's a plus material there. Hey, uh, 101 ESPN will be on site at Enterprise Center before Game 3 and Game 4. If you've got tickets and you're headed to Enterprise for either Game 3 this Saturday night or Game 4 on Monday, make sure to get there early to enjoy the Bud Light Happy Hour pregame party in the Anheuser-Busch Beer Garden. Beginning two hours prior to puck drop, enjoy the live music, food and drink specials, and stop by the 101 ESPN table to get registered to win a signed Blues jersey. That is coming up this Saturday night. Total Pony Show in downtown St. Louis. We'll take a break. Come back with our final segment of Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Jackson, what is this? I really like this one. Oh, because it's like somebody's about to to attack us. Right. I just, I like how it's like. Jason uh, Voorhees. Is it Michael Myers? Is it Freddy Krueger? It's ominous, and I really like it. Is it somebody we worked for in AM radio? (laughs) Always a possibility. I think the beat drops here in a second. Oh, this is a remix, is it? Yeah, there it is. Sick. Uh, Hey, now through next Friday, those limited edition Dunk CD16 t-shirts are only available to order for a few more days. Now, through this Friday, May 20th, you can order this year's CD16 t-shirt in honor of Dunk. Proceeds from all sales going to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. Check out that limited edition Dunk t-shirt and order yours now at 101 ESPN. 
Cardinals.com. Cardinals in New York after absolutely shipping the San Francisco Giants last night. Albert Pujols on the mound, <laughs> pitching a Jim Dandy of a ball game in the ninth inning. Did you like it, or were you a banny little rooster that he was on the mound? You were furious, I bet. No, that's, that's the kind of stuff that is entertaining. You play 162 games a year. Most likely a hundred. The Giants were laughing. Right. Evan Longoria wanted the ball after right. he got a base hit off Pujols. I mean, he had it thrown into the dugout. Most likely 140, if not more, will be pretty forgettable. So why not have a little fun in one of them? I think it's I, – I love that kind of stuff. thing I liked, uh, in addition to that being entertaining, Paul Goldschmidt raking and mm-hmm. uh, the Cardinals offense having a big night. Uh, by the way, something that is a parallel story in the whole thing, Nolan Gorman now at 14 Home runs. Yeah. 14 home runs for Nolan yeah. Gorman. But, you know, where are you going to put them? Well. <laughs> I think of a couple second. places. Second. Put them a designated hitter. So the Cardinals are in New York. They will be tested by the Mets, but they took two of three from a very good Giants team. And I believe that's the first time they've won a series against yeah. a team with a winning record. They split against the Mets at the beginning of the season? Uh, they lost the Mets. They split against the Brewers. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, BK and Ferrario are coming up next. Our time is up. That's coming up next here. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.